Praise God. It's good to be in the house of the Lord tonight. Stand in honor of the Word of God, if you would. Thankful to have Brother and Sister Mundy with us tonight and their wonderful family. Brother and Sister Mundy have been missionaries to Panama. This is Brother John Hopkins' daughter and son-in-law. And uh, we won't hold that against them. No, this church loves the Hopkins. Nobody would... Uh, be loved more than them, and I know that uh, those feelings go toward Brother Mundy and his family. Glad they're here. God has moved him to a new field, and uh, they are going to be heading to Spain, and I'm looking forward to my first invitation to come. Amen. Hint, hint, hint. (laughs) Praise God. You know what? We really do need a touch from God tonight. And I know that God has a word for us. And I know that God, uh, God's word is powerful. But if I'm not in that frame of mind to receive it, it wouldn't matter if it was made of pure gold. I would miss it. So I want you to do something right now. Reach over and grab the hand of somebody next to you. And let's pray that God would open our mind and our spirit tonight to his word. Father, we need you right now. God, we want your will to be done in this service. God, open our minds and our hearts to your word and to your will tonight. Let your will be done in this service, God. Let the perfect will of God be done in all of us. God, minister tonight in this place. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Savior, for your grace. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Savior. Amen. Amen. You may be seated for just a moment. Thank you, Pastor Hughes, amen, for this wonderful opportunity to be here and uh, share the word of the Lord with you and also an update on our ministries. Um, First of all, we'd like to thank you for being a part of our ministry for 16 years. Amen. And uh, thank you for giving and praying for us. We've had a wonderful, wonderful ministry uh, in the country of Panama. And, of course, my, uh, my calling was part romance and part God. Amen? And at first I resisted all of the accusations, but they are true. And uh, Brother Hopkins asked me uh, after a few months in Panama as an aimer, a volunteer, He said, exactly, what are you aiming to do here in Panama? You want to win souls or you want to win my daughter? And uh, I said both. And uh, God helped me accomplish both. (laughs) Amen. Amen. So it is good to uh, give you an update on what we have been able to do in Panama. It's great to have my family here with me, Uh, Jonathan, my oldest son, James and Jacob, and uh, Sophia. And uh, we have worked... Uh, in Panama, first part of our ministry with home missions, uh, church planning, and uh, God gave us a great group of ministers and pastors. We were able to start uh, over 10 churches uh, through our home missions effort, and uh, through that we also uh, started in 2001 uh, our Bible school extension program, and so uh, we were able to establish a Bible school in each district, each of our six districts, amen. And uh, our last enrollment was around 95 students uh, in all of our Bible school programs. And uh, so God blessed us with with many, many 
uh, ministers and, and pastors that came through the training program. And in the last eight years, uh, we were in Panama. We pastored uh, a wonderful church in the capital, Life Tabernacle. This is the church where the Hopkins founded and uh, saw great revival there in that church, started two daughter works. And uh, that church continues and the daughter works continue to grow. And uh, we're just thankful, amen, that God gave us that uh, fruit and uh, in our ministry helped us to uh, work alongside Brother Hopkins and continue to build up the work that he started. Uh, we now have uh, over 70 churches in Panama and uh, many thousands baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost. Praise God. So thank you again, amen, for being a part of our ministry uh, in giving. Continue to pray for us uh, in uh, the field change. We were in, in Spain over the summer. Of course, there's a great team there in Spain. Uh, Brother Sones is the president, and uh, there are three other missionary families. Uh, we saw revival there. Uh, we're able to be a part of the first full-time Bible school graduation uh, there uh, in Spain, in Madrid. 29 graduates, amen, in that service. What a beautiful, beautiful sight that was. There were uh, several Spaniards as well in the group. Uh, many Ecuadorians, Colombians, other Latin American countries were represented. And uh, we, we just saw uh, such a beautiful move of God there as those men and women uh, carried their diplomas and were ready to go and uh, preach the gospel uh, throughout Spain. We're, we're excited about being a part of that. Uh, also were present for the youth convention, and I believe it was their fifth youth convention, if I'm not mistaken, and uh, there were around uh, 500 young people present in that youth convention. Amen. What a wonderful, wonderful work there. Great uh, team of missionaries, and uh, with the Lord's help, we will be working in Madrid, the capital, uh, working with home missions and uh, church planning. Amen. And uh, so we have our work cut out for us. Amen. The capital city is a city of, of around 6 million, the greater metro area. And they have two churches, one well-established church by the Sons pastors and a home missions work. And uh, so we do have a lot of work to do. Amen. And uh, we're thankful God has redirected our ministry. And uh, it wasn't easy. Amen. It's never easy. Uh, I thought I was uh, very sensitive to God's voice and uh, his leading. And uh, I just kept finding every other reason why he was doing certain things in our ministry. And finally, I told Sophia one day, uh, after a recommitment process, which you do go through in your ministry, you recommit and reconsecrate. And I said, this is not a recommitment or reconsecration. This is a relocation. And uh, so when we finally were, were open to that and realized what God was doing, uh, then he was able to move us along uh, at least easy, more easily, amen, than he had been trying to do. And uh, so we're thankful, amen. We're glad that God is using us uh, in missions, and uh, we are glad to be a part of the, of the team in Spain. And uh, pray for us, amen, that God would use us and give us the fruit uh, in our ministry in the country of Spain, amen. Let's open the word of the Lord to Mark chapter 2. Mark chapter 2, and we'll read one verse, verse 5. Thank you, Pastor Hughes, again for allowing us to be here tonight with the church. Thank you for letting us park behind the church. We have our home parked back there for a couple of weeks and uh, had a few weeks off. And uh, so we are thankful to have a place to stay and 
and be able to share with you an update on our ministry. Mark chapter 2 and verse 5. When Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. Amen. And I'd like to preach tonight concerning this thought, uh, faith for spiritual healing. Amen. Faith for spiritual healing. Thank you, Savior, for your word. Thank you for the presence that we feel in this place. Thank you for the worship, God, that you have prepared our hearts, Lord, prepared our souls and our minds to receive your word. Minister, Lord, I pray right now in the name of Jesus. Heal, God, we ask. You are our great physician. Lord, you are a healer. Restore, renew, and transform, we pray in the name of Jesus. Through your word, do the work we ask. We pray in faith, believing in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Proverbs 18 and 14 reads, The spirit of a man will sustain his infirmity, but a wounded spirit who can bear? In the animal kingdom, there is a, an animal, a lizard, the largest, uh, the Komodo dragon. And this dragon will take down in the group uh, large animals, one of them being a, a buffalo, a water buffalo. And, of course, the Komodo dragon is, can reach lengths of uh, 12 feet, 10 feet, very large lizard. And even with its strength and size, it cannot kill immediately or directly or quickly this, this buffalo, this water buffalo. And the Komodo dragon will gather around and find a group of these water buffaloes and their method is to simply wound the water buffalo. And when they bite the buffalo in one of the extremities, typically they can't reach any higher, they will simply scrape and dig into the flesh with their teeth and there are bacteria in the animal's mouth that will infect the wounds. And the process is slow and torturous for the water buffalo. At first, they're okay. The wound is there, a very small scrape or bite. And the Komodo dragon, if it has escaped, the, the kicking of the hooves will retreat and wait for the buffalo to get sick. And the wound will fester and infect, and over a period of uh, several weeks or even a couple of months, it could take the water buffalo to die from the wounds inflicted by the Komodo dragon. A horrible, torturous way to die from a wound inflicted in their leg. And I remember as a child going to a Ripley's Believe It or Not Museum in St. Augustine, Florida. And so many things I do remember that, have, that stood out there and one of them was the tallest man in, in our modern times, Robert Willow. And uh, I believe he was uh, around 10 feet tall. And uh, they had him underneath a, uh, uh, like a mezzanine there, and his hand was raised. Of course, the figure of Robert Willow, uh, uh, wax figure, and his hands raised up above that, touching the top of that. A railing on that mezzanine and it, I just as a child probably eight or nine years old looking up and and seeing this giant of a man and he died at the age of 27 very young and he was not 
uh, physically ill or had any other disease. He definitely had some complications due to his height and, and joint problems and things of this nature. But he scraped his ankle. He scraped his ankle. Now, remember them telling me, and, and, and why did he die at 27? Well, he had a, a wound on his ankle. And the wound became infected, and, and I guess due to his circulatory problems or other issues and, and uh, maybe not catching it in time, became infected, became septic. And this giant of a man died from a wound to his ankle. And that stuck in my mind as I thought, how could such a tall, strong-looking individual, a giant in our modern times, die because of a wound? Amen. And my dad uh, left with me a, a great lesson among many. My dad died five years ago from cancer, pancreatic cancer. And, of course, throughout the process, he never lost his faith, uh, never blamed God, never even really expected God to heal him, although he had faith that God could heal him. He said, God saved me, delivered me, transformed my life, gave me my family, a ministry, and my children. What more should I expect from God? What more should I expect? And one of the lessons that he taught me was from the Vietnam War. And he told me of the many different uh, devices that the enemy would, would create or place in the path of the soldiers along the routes they expected them to walk to simply wound them. Elaborate devices, and, and perhaps we've heard of some of them. One of them, they would bury uh, uh, sharpened bamboo stakes and bury them in traps in the, under the ground and cover them with with leaves, camouflage them, and the soldiers would walk across these traps and uh, step on them. And, of course, they would scrape their legs or puncture their boots. Or maybe they would fall into the trap and it would puncture a leg. And, and really all the enemy wanted to do was wound someone. They knew no one would die from the puncture of that bamboo stake. But they knew if they could wound the soldier, they would slow the soldier down. They knew that the soldier would have to be cared for and dealt with by other healthy members of the platoon. And they knew that his wound and his problem would affect the group. They would have to stop and detour and pause on their mission and uh, deal with this injury and help this wounded man. He would have to walk slower or be carried, perhaps, and the enemy knew that by wounding the enemy, they would slow them down and affect them greatly. And we obviously are already drawing the parallels spiritually. How the enemy of our soul, the devil, would simply like to wound us. He would like to wound us and has wounded us. We carry in our hearts and in our emotions many regrets many unfulfilled dreams, many offenses, bitterness or anger or things that we have allowed to fester or stay in our spirits that have definitely slowed us down. Spiritual giants at one moment and because of a wound that was allowed to fester, it would go on and on and on until now we're spiritually weak, deficient perhaps even as hurting people do and wounded people do, we hurt and wound others. 
we lash out and, and are bitter and are angry or uh, deal with others through the perspective of our own wounded condition. My wife and I will celebrate 20 years of marriage this year, and, and uh, if anyone can relate, uh, there are things that, that we deal with that happened 10 and 15 years ago. And sometimes I'll say, well, when did I do that? When did that happen? Well, you remember back when we were newly married and this and this and that, and, and, and the whole deal comes out. And, of course, the same thing. She'll say, I just don't understand what's going on with you. What? I said, well, no, you remember this happened. <laughs> well, when did, when did I? I, I don't, I'm not that way. Well, no, 12 years ago. We were doing this or doing that or such and such a thing happened and, and uh, I harbored that offense, that memory, that wound, that problem, that situation is just as fresh as when it happened 12 years ago. Amen. And so those wounds affect our relationship and affect how we treat and deal with others. It affects our relationship with God. There are things that I am angry uh, with or about with God. Offenses, problems that I harbor and my relationship of trust and, and love and that communion and harmony are affected because in my mind, in my heart, I'm thinking about things that maybe he should have done or ways he should have treated me or problems he should have taken care of that have become spiritual wounds and problems in my soul and in my heart. My grandmother, the last uh, six months that she was alive, she was in a, a, uh, a nursing home in a, a memory care unit. Then from there to a, a bed, she was basically bedridden. And uh, in her room, uh, her neighbor uh, was diabetic, for many years had been diabetic, and she had sores. And the dear friend of ours that was a nurse in this uh, hospital, uh, her department and her title was wound care management. And it, it amazed me. I, I did not realize there was a need for wound care management. And I asked her, what do you do? And she, she came in and she dressed these wounds of this uh, dear uh, lady, uh, Miss Davis, that we became acquainted with through visiting my grandmother. And uh, she said, this uh, lady will die with these wounds. She said, her circulatory system and the condition of her skin and the, and the, the uh, complications of the disease. She said, I only manage the wounds. I clean them and dress them and take care of them and try to deal with any pain issues. She said, but they will not heal. Amen. And this, of course, sparked in my heart and uh, my soul uh, the things that spiritually we deal with that we simply manage. Amen. And we never really have the faith or we never really expect or, or think perhaps that with this great salvation in this New Testament experience in Jesus Christ and all that He did for us at Calvary includes our spiritual restoration, our renewal, the transformation in our soul and our heart. And I have dealt with so many people that are uh, full of the Holy Ghost and, and start walking with God and overcome many, many issues in their life. But there are the wounds that are inflicted that perhaps they are just managing. They're not thinking, you know, God can heal this. God can take care of that. Amen. And in this 
uh, miracle that we read in Mark 2 when the faith of these friends brought uh, this man to Jesus' presence. They could not get into the house. And they ripped the roof apart and they showed such great faith in uh, lowering down this paralyzed friend into Jesus' presence. And I'm sure they expected and the man expected physical healing. I remember uh, attending a church and, and this uh, dear sister was called forward and, and uh, the pastor brought out from the pulpit a, a cane, a, a, uh, um, the cane that the uh, seeing impaired use with the red tip, white cane, the red tip, and he brought it out and he opened up this cane and he handed it to the sister. He said, tell your testimony, amen. And she tells her testimony of how God healed her blindness. Amen. And uh, I, I remember seeing a man uh, dance around one of our conventions and he just knocked chairs over and he ran and he ran until he couldn't run anymore. Of course, we were watching him and he ran at inappropriate times during the offering, during the worship, during the preaching. He wouldn't stop. He was just running and jumping and overjoyed. We found out afterward that for many years he had suffered with a heart condition. He was taking more pills than he could keep track of and, and he couldn't hardly walk and he was, uh, his breathing was labored and, and he was having so many complications from this debilitating heart condition. But that night, God healed him completely. Amen. I've experienced physical healing. It's easy to have faith for physical healing. I've seen many, many cases of physical healing and, and that strength and that faith that is built. But I have never in any service, and I don't want anyone to do that tonight, but I, and I don't even really want that to start. I am so bitter right now. I need somebody to anoint me and pray for God to cleanse me and heal me of my bitterness. Never once. Amen. Now, it's been obvious, amen, in my life and in other lives that we are bitter, that we are angry. As my elder sister used to tell me uh, uh, often, your, your attitude stinks, she would tell me. Your attitude stinks. And so we, we see in, in our relationships and, and how we deal with others, it's so obvious that we have some wounds that need to be taken care of. But rarely do we have that faith or that understanding spiritually that that is what's weakening and debilitating us and maybe even slowing the body down, amen, causing conflict and problems and allowing or making or forcing others to deal with our issues. Slows down the momentum and the, and the spiritual direction that God has for the church when there are wounded members and we should take care of one another. We should be forbearing and kind and long-suffering, amen, and deal with one another's faults and shortcomings as we would like for others to deal with ours. Amen. That is a part of the spiritual healing process. But the one that has the wounds has to be aware and, and have enough faith, amen, for spiritual healing. And maybe someone is praying with you or, or counseling you, amen, or dealing with certain issues in your life. And I pray tonight that God would build our faith for this kind of spiritual healing, amen. And as this 
palsied man was laying there thinking, I am fixing to get up and walk. Jesus says, thy sins be forgiven thee. Wow. I'm sure the friends for sure thought, you know, that's not why we tore the roof off. (laughs) That's not why he's here, Jesus. I would want to think, and this is my opinion, that the man that his sins had just been forgiven, I would imagine forgot he was paralyzed for a moment. We have all experienced spiritual healing. We have experienced the peace of God. Amen. We have experienced that cleansing power of God that gives us joy and deliverance and strength. Amen. We know what it feels like to be whole. It's an overwhelming, amazing experience to be right inside. Maybe everything's going wrong around you. Maybe things are not exactly right physically or or in your life. Amen. But when you are at peace with God, amen, when you trust in Him, when you have that loving harmony uh, with God and that relationship, you are able to face so many things because you're whole on the inside. You're well on the inside. And so I'm sure he was laying here thinking, you know, I feel good. Wow. I came here guilty. I came here depressed. I came here with so many problems in my family. And, and, and I, I was worthless. I'm a paralyzed man. I haven't been able to work or do whatever. However it had affected him, he was feeling pretty good. But the people around him did not understand what Jesus had just done. They didn't understand the depth of healing by forgiving his sins. And so they began to murmur and reason, how can he blaspheme? Who can forgive sins but God only? And I know Jesus used this to teach them about spiritual healing, about the power of forgiveness, the power of overcoming offense, the power of overcoming anger, the power of overcoming those those wounds and spiritual problems that we carry and we are plagued with. He said, yes, it is just as easy for me to say get up and walk as it is to forgive his sins. And he turns to him and he tells him, arise, take up thy bed and go thy way into thine house. Immediately he arose, took up the bed and went forth before them all insomuch that they were all amazed and glorified God saying, we never saw it on this fashion. What a powerful testimony of spiritual healing. As my dad's life drew to a close and, and, and the cancer was slowly taking every ounce of strength away, we talked about so many things and I was so thankful to be there with him the last several weeks of his life and, and thank God that he was able to talk and, and have that fellowship with his family. And uh, on one of those occasions, uh, we had gone a few days and, and, and I knew he wasn't right. There were a lot of things bothering him, but I thought, you know, something's not right. And we had prayed together and we had dealt uh, together with the word and some things that he wanted to talk to me about. It was a beautiful time. And finally, I just said, you know, Dad, something's not right. And uh, I said, just tell me, is there something that you wanted? Because he had told me a couple of times, I just want to be right. Of course, I'd heard him say this throughout my whole life. And, and he would always counsel me, son, just let it go. You, you've got to overcome that. You can't worry about, of course, what other people do. And, and if you've been hurt and if you've been wrong, you've got to be bigger and, and stronger than that. And, and so many lessons he had taught me about this. 
And so here he's telling me, you know, I, I just want to be right. I, I picked up on it. I said, hold on, Dad. You've you got to tell me what's wrong then. He said, well, I've got to confess something. And then I, I wished I had not asked him because I thought, now what am I going to have to hear my dad tell me? <laughs> Perhaps I shouldn't have pressured a dying man to, to, to confess it all. You know, that, that, you just tell God, you know. And so he tells me, he looks at me, he goes, he says, I, I, I've got something in my heart. I've got something in my heart. I thought, wow, what, what could he have in his heart? Do I really want to know? I said, Dad, you just pray about it. Let's pray. No, 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 no. I need you to help me with something. I thought, what have I gotten myself into now? Something in his heart, with all that he was facing, all the physical problems and, 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 and uh, social and emotional things that we were dealing with in the family, he's focused on something in his heart. And then I thought, you know what, well, that's kind of selfish, Dad. You know, maybe you just need to deal with it and repent of it or whatever, thinking. He said, no, I need you to help me with something, Wayne. I said, well, what is it, Dad? He said, I need you to take me down, and I've got to ask forgiveness from a former employee. Employer, I said, Dad, that's over. I knew immediately what he was referring to. I said, Dad, that we, that's over. He said, No. He said, I got to make it right. So that's in my heart. That's one thing that's in my heart. He said, I, I, I've got to make it right. So with all the 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 other issues, we we got in the in the car, and I drove him over to this uh, company. And uh, he he walks into the office, and I, and I, I stay outside the door. And he stands in there and he talks to this, this man. And, of course, the man says, you know what? It never even happened. Don't worry about it. There's nothing wrong. You were right. He said, if anyone was wrong, it was us. It was me. He said, but there he was, weak. Within a few weeks of dying, but he had something that he knew he had to take care of a spiritual wound that had festered and stayed with him and bothered him those few years. I learned such a powerful lesson right there. I realized that you don't manage wounds. You come into the presence of Jesus Christ and you allow Him to heal your spirit. You have that same faith and that same boldness spiritually and, and, and understanding that that is where the enemy would like to debilitate and weaken our spiritual force. Just a scratch, just a wound, just a bite, an offense, a problem, a regret, bitterness, anger, whatever it may be. And that festers and stays with us and however giant, a giant of a spiritual man we are, it will kill us. In the end, can we have faith for spiritual healing? Amen. Can we stand together tonight? Oh, how, how wonderful it is to feel whole. To know that everything's okay. Amen. It's not as easy to deal with these things because if you have a a broken hand, it's obvious. If you twist your ankle, it's obvious. If you're praying for healing from diabetes or cancer, it's really obvious. And perhaps we accept these types of physical problems and we deal with them openly. But 
the innermost part of our spiritual man is where we struggle and where we're wounded and where it can hide and fester and nobody knows. Nobody knows. But I tell you what, we are in the presence of Jesus Christ tonight. And if you have faith for spiritual healing, God can begin to cleanse some of these wounds that we have allowed to inflict our souls and our hearts. That the enemy has purposely set traps and and allowed it to happen, perhaps knowing if I can just wound them, I'll slow them down. I'll trip them up. That little bit of bitterness or that little offense will turn into such an infected, putrid spiritual wound that they will not function spiritually. How many can I slow down? How many can I involve? How many can be set back by this spiritual wound that He will inflict upon our hearts and our lives? I remember as my dad died and, and he, the last words he spoke, we were taking him to uh, hospice care. And I remember riding with him. Last thing he said, he, he was held up his hand as he liked to do and he said, that's my God. That's my God. I don't know. I, I imagine at that moment he was talking with God. He was in a lot of pain and he was disoriented uh, mentally. A lot of medication. But I remember asking myself as he came out. He hadn't been out outside for weeks, and the sun was so beautiful that day. And I said, "Dad, do you feel the sunshine?" He said, "Oh, it's so nice." And then when he he said, "That's my God." He was whole. He was well spiritually, physically almost gone, but spiritually whole and well, and thankful to have that relationship with God of trust and peace and harmony. What a beautiful way to live. Oh, how we struggle with this. Amen. Can we pray together? Can we begin to worship and pray? And I just want us to have faith for spiritual healing.